Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wit Wednesday pod for this final episode of the summer 2022 season. Can you believe that we have finally made it to the end of this summer season? It's hard to believe for me, but I'm so excited to bring this new episode to you today. My name is Heath Queen from the Office of Career and Professional Development and the Compass Suite Success Center on campus at Wittenberg University. I've been having so much fun this season getting to chat with so many amazing members of our alumni community and bringing their words of wisdom to you. Our goal is that this season was able to inspire you through hearing the success stories of our alumni who have pursued such a diverse set of career paths. We also hope that you've been able to pick up helpful tips and advice on how you can be a leader when you first begin that next job or internship. The truth is, anyone has the capacity to be a leader and our alumni this season have provided so many great examples of how that's possible for those of you who are entering the workforce for the first time. If you happen to miss any episodes of the podcast this season, you can always find them available to you on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Before introducing our guest today, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sticking with us this season on the podcast and listening each week as new episodes come out. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to the Wit Wednesday pod so you can stay updated when the next season rolls around. Today on the pod, I get to speak with Sean Buchan. Sean is a 2006 alumnus of Wittenberg University and studied biology during his time on campus. As you will hear on the podcast, Sean began his career as a physical therapist after going on to get a doctorate in physical therapy from the University of Colorado in 2010. He served as a physical therapist for six years before joining another Wittenberg alumnus, Dan McGuire, and founding Cerebral Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. And today, Sean still owns and operates Cerebral Brewing, and we'll talk on the podcast about his own career path to this point, about the challenges that they faced as business owners, and he will describe his own perspective on leadership. This is such a fun conversation to end the season with, and I really hope that you're going to enjoy it. Now, without further ado, let's hop on over to my conversation with alumnus Sean Buchan. Well, Sean, I just want to say thank you so much for giving of your time and, and hopping on the, the podcast today to chat with us. We're so excited to get to talk to you about your own career pathway and experience at Wittenberg and uh, time and, and running the brewery there. And I'm just so excited to get to chat with you. And thanks so much for, for being willing to talk with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, Sean, I want to just kind of begin our conversation where we've been beginning all of these conversations this summer with uh, alumni across the spectrum in all sorts of different fields, uh, getting perspectives on leadership and what leadership means and what it looks like and 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 how you and people that work around you have really demonstrated leadership early in their careers and, and even as their careers progress. And so I'm wondering, you know, just to kick us off today, if you could just share a little bit about what does leadership really mean to, to you and in the work that you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's definitely been the area I feel like I've learned the most uh, in the six and a half years that we've we've been open and I have a long way to go. Um, but really for me, I feel like it's uh, it's setting the North star for the company and doing everything you can to empower individuals around you to make, you know, to make, make decisions, uh, be autonomous, kind of everything you need to do to set them up for success, to guide yeah. towards that North star that you set. 
Mm, so really being other focused and focusing on the team that's around you and that supports you and, and how can you also develop yourself, but also develop those that, that you're working closely with on a day-to-day basis. Is that what, what I'm kind of hearing there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you take it all upon yourself and you think that, that you're going to get everything done, you're going to fail pretty quickly. And um, it doesn't take long to realize that a lot of the, a lot of the people that we, we pulled in almost immediately were, you know, they were more talented than me and the thing that they were focused on. Um, yeah. so it's just about empowering them to make decisions in their space and, and, uh, and move the company forward and trusting them to do so. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I think kind of going along with that, being an entrepreneur is a little different because, if you think about leadership as being a role, you pretty much are starting in kind of a leadership role. If you're if you're an entrepreneur yeah. starting a new business, new organization, whatever it might be, but I think yeah. that not everyone is going to begin in that spot. Um, not everyone is going to begin in a management or decision making role, and a lot of times we're trying to present you know leadership as also being a set of skills and a set of uh, traits that students can can develop and hone along the way as they're doing internships or engaging in experiences. And I'm wondering, you know, for all those people that that you have working for you uh there for your own experience when you were first starting out in your career after uh finishing up uh your physical therapy work i'm just wondering what what are some ways you've seen early career professionals or people who work for you demonstrate leadership early on uh in 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 the roles that they're taking on yeah that's it's multifaceted so i would say one of the the first things that we witnessed when everyone uh we we opened with five employees i believe uh four to five and Mm. most of those were in the tap room uh and you know uh, owners had like our defined roles but what we started to notice was um i guess lateral leadership where uh you, you may not have had a direct report uh someone that you were technically managing or leading but you watch people take people under their wing coach them help them improve and that's where you really see leadership. If it's just one person looking to show that they're the best at something, that's not really something I'm interested in. It's something that if you're going to help build the team, if you're going to make everyone else better for you being there, like that's true leadership. So when we really watched people start to do those things on their own, and then you you gave them more autonomy and you gave them more control and you trusted them more and you did, you know, you backed off from micromanaging and you watched them just kind of flourish in that uh, and everything around them got better. That's, that's really when we started to notice it as a small team, as we've grown so that, you know, now we actually have an org chart and we have, you know, we have key, you know, we have departments and, and much more structure than we started with. Um, it gets to be a little bit different. You're still noticing the same things. And that's, those are things that we're looking for in employees when we're trying to move people up uh, or give them greater responsibility in the, in the organization. But it's also, you know, uh, we also look at what they, I guess, what they get done unsupervised. And if you're like given, mm-hmm. like, this is your task, kind of get as far as you can with it before you come, before you come mm-hmm. back. Um, and, and looking for really solution focused thinking instead of problem focused thinking, that's, that's really the next for us. Yeah. I want to follow up on, you know, you're talking about the staff that you have there uh, in your organization and I'm 
curious, you know, I think for a lot of college students or alumni who recently graduated from college, you know, their experience of staff at, um, you know, going to a brewery is probably the the person pouring their beer at the front counter, right? But can you just yeah. describe the the people that were working behind the scenes, whether that be whether they're employed by you or whether you're, for, for instance, using marketing from another company or whatever it is, what are some of those people working behind the scenes? Uh, and, and what does that kind of staffing look like for, for, for an organization like yours? Uh, you know, what, what types of people are there in the back uh, that, that are not seen in the, in the tap room? And, and, and what are they doing on a day-to-day basis? Oh yeah, that's uh, I mean, it, that number is growing really by the day as we grow into our second space. Most of our employees do live uh, and work in the tap room, so most of them are customer facing from a numbers perspective. We're um, at twenty eight employees as of right now, and wow. I'd say a little over half of those work in the tap room, but. Outside of that, we have, you know, we have our, our brewing team. So we've got our lead brewer, several brewers and a shift brewer. Um, everyone that's actually producing the product that we're making. We have some people that work in the tap room, but help us on packaging. So they're, you know, gaining some hours outside of tap room to help in back. Uh, we have our sales uh, and essentially self-distribution team. So we have a few sales reps, uh, delivery driver, and then a sales team manager. We have a director of operations where she really just handled her is the most like, um, I guess, changing job description pretty much every three to six months. We're reevaluating what that means, but it's learning, you know, how are we improving logistics and efficiency and operations, uh, moving things between our two locations. We have a, a full-time uh, driver that's kind of, driving our box truck uh, between spots and doing pickups for us. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, and we have, we have one person that does all of our social media, our yeah. general manager oversees all of our tap room operations and, uh, and our social media presence. So hmm. yeah, quite a lot going on. Yeah, I, I appreciate you talking about that just because I think for a lot of students, you know, there's looking for uh, opportunities in sales or whatever that might be marketing post graduation. I think it's easy to see those career pathways when you're looking at a company or an organization, a large institution um, yeah. that makes sense. But it's helpful for them to hear, I think, just what's going on in the, in the back end of, a, of an organization like yours that are just as equally opportunities for them that they can think about uh, in their career plan or in their path pathway that they're trying to, to, to design as, as they leave Wittenberg, or maybe it's an alum listening who's thinking of the next step. So I appreciate you kind of just giving us a dive on what that looks like in your context. Um, can you just talk a little bit about some of the skills or traits that you learned during your time at Wittenberg that you think have really helped you stand or lead out, lead uh, in the uh, pathway that you've kind of chosen today? Yeah, I think... Um really the the first thing is that kind of self-worth and autonomy like uh it's really your first time setting foot out into the world on your own and learning what you're capable of and uh mm. learning what those around you are individually capable of so i'd say, I'd say that was a that was definitely like a formative four years for that uh you're yeah. also developing really key communication skills that are going to be one of the most important things in anything you choose um, moving forward and, and how to work in a team, how to work mm -hmm. on your own, but, but tangentially with others, you know, I didn't have any, uh, leadership experience at, at Wittenberg. So I can't really relate to specific, you know, 
real life learning experiences from a leadership perspective, but yeah. all of the tools were being built. I just wasn't utilizing them. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I love the emphasis on just learning how to work on your own and be self-paced and manage your own day to day work and, and balance balancing of your life. Because I think, especially when you're in an entrepreneurial space, you know, a lot of the, the schools that have entrepreneurship programs where you actually learn entrepreneurship at the college level are these bigger institutions, whereas some of the skill sets that I think they're really important as an entrepreneur, that ability to, to manage your own career and your own uh, your, your own uh, self uh, and be self-paced and self-motivated, I think those are easy things that students in a smaller campus, a smaller environment can develop and, and just naturally have experience doing uh, just because of the nature of the place. So I appreciate that you, you kind of lifted that up i yeah, time yeah, management would another thing too you know if you're unable to manage your own time effectively that's not gonna that's not gonna bode very well so that was definitely yeah. something i learned in those first few years yeah well, I want to take a moment and just kind of shift now to, to talking about your time at Wittenberg and just uh, just going along your, your kind of pathway to, to what you're doing now. Uh, you know, I'm just curious, what led you to choose Wittenberg for your undergrad initially? And, and what was it that kind of uh, got you to jump right in in the majoring, of, uh, majoring in biology on campus? What, what was it that kind of drew you to the campus and then uh, to select that particular major? Yeah, I... Um was born out here in Colorado, but I grew up in Ohio and, um, I'd always wanted to, you know, I was looking at schools. I'm a big Ohio state fan, but I didn't <laughs> feel like I wanted to go, you know, to go to a school that big, I felt like I would get lost pretty easily. And, yeah. uh, so I was looking for a small, um, liberal arts university in, in Ohio or the surrounding area. Um, so uh, honestly it was just the campus visit that, that made it for me. Um, just the experience. I can't even really describe one thing that was the the aha moment of, of why, you know, why I attended. But I think it was, yeah, it was just that, uh, you know, one or two days I spent there that just felt like it was a good fit. So, you know, luckily I ended up getting in, everything worked there. Um, hmm. I think it was a chemistry professor I had in high school that had a wit flag in her classroom. So it was one mm. of the reasons I, I looked into it. But then, <laughs> yeah, everything I, I went from there, I liked um, I'd always been drawn to the sciences, um, yeah. throughout high school. And, and really what I initially thought I was going to do was zoology. Um, oh. so that was kind of the direction I was headed. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go with the biology degree, do a chem minor and move forward towards, you know, this, I don't know, something related to zoology. Didn't really kind of mm. have that figured out yet. I think it was year three, uh, I, I needed to do some volunteer work and ended up doing some volunteer work at a PT clinic just off campus. And mm -hmm. it really kind of spoke to me that aspect of uh, utilizing, utilizing science, utilizing, you know, kinesiology towards helping people really just seemed like an interesting move and went with uh, kind of finished out my biology degree with the uh, thought that I was going to go get my PT degree, yeah. uh, ended, up, ended up doing that and, uh, practiced for six years before I ended up making the move out of it. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I, I'm just, you know, kind of curious, uh, you know, you talk about going into doing your, 
physical therapy degree. Uh, you did that at the University of Colorado, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just curious, could you just describe, you know, how it felt for you when you finished that program and as you were entering your first job as a physical therapist, you going through your time at Wittenberg and then your additional years in the PT program at the University of Colorado and you're finally done and you're entering your first role as a physical therapist. I'm just wondering, how did that feel for you and, and how did you kind of start your own career and approach that role that, that you took right when you, you finished at, at the University of Colorado? It felt great. I mean, it's, you know, it's the same thing. You you go through your four years at, at WIT and you graduate and you've truly accomplished something. So it was a similar feeling. Um, both that level of just euphoria of being done with school forever <laughs> felt, felt really <laughs> nice uh, after so long. So, um, yeah, that felt good. It felt good to like finally, you know, be done learning. Uh, not, I guess you're never done learning things, but being done uh, with that institution of education and like going towards like, I'm going to go into work and uh, eventually I'm going to be teaching others how to do this. Um, mm. it, it felt great. It was, I really enjoyed my time as a PT uh, I have some qualms about the way that the U.S. healthcare system is run, but that's uh, for another mm. podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So you started this career as a physical therapist, uh, and at some point uh, in that time, you made a pretty significant career change and decided to uh, to shift kind of from your career in physical therapy to one of owning and operating a craft brewery. And I'm sure that there's a story and a passion for cra for the craft brewing space behind all of that. And I'm wondering, I just just an open ended question, really, for you to just tell us a little yeah. bit about the history that led to that and and, and your passion for it and and how it kind of, how things kind of got started for you in that. Yeah, I, uh, pretty quickly after I graduated PT school, I realized I needed a hobby, um, that uh -huh. wasn't, you know, something outside of work to look forward to. And I picked up photography, um, and I've always enjoyed that since, but what that led me to was, uh, through a friend, I started photographing, um, some, some Denver events really like, mm. uh, beer, wine, spirits, focused events and got to meet uh, the people behind a lot of local Denver breweries and wow. really just kind of drew me in. I, I had been thinking about getting into home brewing, but it was really, you know, meeting all the right people. And for um, one of my really good friends at the time gave me a homebrew kit for my wedding. Um, mm. My wife is also a wit alum. Yeah. She's a year ahead of me. Um, so they gifted me a homebrew kit and it just kind of opened my eyes to, you know, uh, I've never been a good cook. I've never uh, <laughs> been able to really make much <laughs> in the kitchen, but it was something where I felt like I could really like exercise a creative yeah. aspect of my brain and things I was, you know, trying to work on. I could really like fine tune things. It was a, a very good creative expression for me. Um, so I started diving more and more into homebrewing and I'd had some friends that had had opened breweries themselves and it just yeah. it made it seem much more real. Uh, I guess that the concept of opening your own business to me at the time was ethereal. It was kind of out there. I didn't understand mm. how you really went about it. it. It just seemed like such a large leap that I, I wasn't ever thinking about that and really anything in my life. Yeah. And yeah, just, they just made it seem much more doable. I talked to them. I, um, 
I essentially like free interned with a few of them to like try to really learn what the scale from home brewing to professional brewing was. Hmm. Uh, I took a business uh, plan development course through the Denver Small Business Development Center. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe those are nationwide yeah. and it was invaluable. So it was like a 12 week yeah. business plan course, crafted our business plan. But still at that time, I wasn't really thinking it was real. And it was around that time that I, I called my best friend, Dan, from, uh, he was my roommate at, at WIT. So Dan McGuire is our co-owner. I called him and, you know, I said, hey, I, I really want to do this thing. Um, I feel good about making beer. I do not feel good about the the numbers side of things. And that's Dan's strong suit. So mm. I asked if he wanted to, wanted to join me on this. Um, and obviously I had a huge amount of support from my wife. Wouldn't have been able to do this without her. So yeah, I, it's, it's crazy. Like without going to wit, I wouldn't have really anything mm. that's in my life right now. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. When I'm, you know, I think you bring up such a, a good, uh, important point that when you began, sometimes it's hard to figure out where, where to start with starting a business. And I, I think you're highlighting a lot of the important points of connections, local resources, SBA centers, helping you with, with, with some of the, the, the business specific details of how to work that out to start up a, a business and to have someone to do the financials and connections with former friends, maybe that you met at Wittenberg or that other, you know, networking opportunities that you've done in the past. And I think there's just a lot of anxiety among a lot of students who are really interested in entrepreneurship, but they have this um, kind of fear of, you know, where do I get started? Where do I begin with all of this? And so I'm just wondering, you know, is, is there anything, uh, anything you want to elaborate on there about just how, how it was in its early stages, uh, challenges you went through hurdles that maybe you faced in the startup period and just kind of, how did you approach all of that? How did you approach getting started? How did you approach some of the challenges that popped up along, along the way? Yeah. It, um, in terms of actually getting started, it, it's, uh, it's almost comical how much simpler it is to do than you think <laughs> just to get it started doesn't mean it's easy to maintain it uh yeah. and 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 grow it and do everything else required but actually starting a business is like a few key steps mostly tax related and and you're off you're off and running so yeah you know that there's plenty of online resources for that but then moving beyond that it was I would say it was definitely a much bigger undertaking than I realized. And I we kind of knew it was going to be a lot, but we learned a lot on the fly. We had, um, I guess, a lot of, we had a few people early on where we thought we understood their role and we thought hmm. we had communicated what their role was. But, you know, and I own this. Um, I don't think I was giving clear direction uh, at the beginning and clear communication in a lot of aspects and, we also just had some people that didn't quite work out at the beginning. And, you know, when you're only a team of four to five, you know, one person not pulling their weight really drags everything down. So I think it was really bringing the right people on that, that yeah. allowed us to, to like really soar. Um, but it was, it was definitely a, a learning curve in, you know, in leadership. I think it was, was the biggest aspect of that is like, how do you inspire others? How do you communicate yeah. your mission clearly and concisely and get everybody fo- like focused to move the same direction uh, was something that that took us definitely a few months to maybe a few years to fully realize. Mm. How, how did you, uh, I'm just curious how you settled on the name itself, like as you were, as you were getting started? 
uh, yeah, we, we, that was, we were sitting in on a meeting with, um, through the small business development center, you get access to uh, a bunch of specialists in, in your areas. And this person was, uh, the marketing specialist for Denver. And we were sitting, sitting in her office and we were, we told her, you know, we're kind of at a crux, like we don't have a name, we have some concepts. And it just was really like a third party facilitator, mm. uh, allowing us to kind of throw ideas off the wall. And one of us in the room said like, you know, we, we just want this to be like a, a cerebral effort to like, you know, we want, we're basically <laughs> saying we're putting a lot of thought into this. And it just was like, you know, saying yeah. it out loud, we're like, that's it. That's great. <laughs> I love it because I think everyone now, they think of business names and it's like, oh, I got to see what domain names are available. <laughs> well, that's, definitely, that's definitely the thing you have to check next. Yes. <laughs> People are, it's, it's so funny because, you know, you, you come up with all these, uh, with, with all sorts of different names and, and combinations. But really, when you talk to a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, I found what domain name uh, uh, was, was available. So I love that there's a better story than that behind. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we got lucky in that that was available. And yeah. Yeah, oh, that's perfect. Well, I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about what the culture is like working for Cerebral Brewing or working in that space or just working in a, in a craft brewing company. Like what's the, the culture that your employees experience, that, um, that you experience working in that space? Uh, just, just what's it like to work there on a day-to-day -day basis, um, uh, you know, as your, as your career? Yeah, um, the beer industry is is for the most part great. Every industry has some things it needs to work on. Um, you know, I think one thing that the beer industry as a whole is dealing with right now is um, it's a male, like usually white male dominated space. Yeah. And uh, Dan and I are not not helping that problem. Uh, you know, being that's mm -hmm. that same thing. So it's it's really about trying to move the industry forward in a uh, inclusivity, I guess, inclusive, yeah. uh, direction. So otherwise, um, I would say the beer industry has been great. We're super collaborative. Uh, you know, you can, we opened up our new location, several blocks from a brewery that we knew, um, and we have a great relationship with them. And we're, you know, we're hoping that like the rising tide flows all boats and we're able to bring more business to the area. Um, yeah. They can do the same thing and we can benefit from each other just being a few blocks away. Um, same thing with, you know, we, we work on, uh, work with other breweries across the country and, and a few outside of the country on collaboration beers. We were just in, in Dublin, Ireland doing a beer festival mm. and work the brewery in Dublin, uh, whiplash uh -huh. on a, on a beer. So, wow. you know, we're constantly sharing ideas, trying to push the industry forward from a creativity perspective. Uh, and now it's nice to see that a lot of the same energy and focus is being spent on how we make the industry more inclusive and more diverse so that we are, you know, working on hopefully seeing more women out at, at brewing events and beer festivals and more women as brewers and more people of color as brewers. And um, I think it's going to be an exciting few years for us. Mm, yeah. So I, you know, I, as a follow-up question to that, I, for the first five years I worked for Wittenberg, I, I worked on campus, you know, in Springfield, Ohio, but now I, I'm, I'm working remotely from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And there are, you know, I've been, there are a ton of craft breweries in the Twin Cities. And I'm just wondering, you know, I think this is a thing that's happened across the country over the last, you know, five to 10 years is this just expansion of the number of craft breweries in any given metro area. And I'm just wondering for you all, how do you kind of, 
you know, support the industry, but also kind of have this little competition with uh, all the growth that's happening in a community around you. Um, you know, how do you approach that? It's it's great to see the space doing so well and for for things for for craft beer to become so popular. Um, but I'm sure that the competition the competition is pretty fierce too. So I'm I'm just kind of curious how you kind of balance both of those things there in where, where you're located. Yeah, I guess first I should also just plug that uh, we were in Minneapolis a few months back for the Craft Brewers Conference. And we oh, made it I remember uh, that. With Blackstack, who is uh, close by to you, and they just released our collapse. So um, oh. I think, I believe Speaker City is the name, but yeah, they uh, yeah. they put that out the other day. So we have beer in Minneapolis. Oh, that's uh, great. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess, the, it, it appears super competitive on the outside. Um, and there is competition. I won't, I won't lie and say there is not, mm. um, most of it I would, I would describe as friendly competition. You know, yeah. we're not going into accounts looking to like, Hey, get that, you know, take that brewery out of here. We want that handle. Um, yeah. I don't know how the, I don't know how the industry got where it is. Uh, you know, honestly, I think most, most industries would have cannibalized themselves by now. And, um, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's something that I've always admired about the beer industry that, yeah. There are, I would say, I, I lost track, but there's over 120, 150 breweries in the Denver metro area. And we're not a very big city. It's mm. somewhere around 750,000 people here. So in terms of metro areas, we are far oversaturated, but we do have a, you know, a base of people in Denver that enjoy going to uh, the actual brewery, going to tap rooms as you yeah. know, something that they they plan in on their week, on their weekend. Um so it works here. And, you know, we've seen breweries close, but we've seen just about as many breweries open. So we're probably at that market saturation rate in Denver and most yeah. metro areas. But um, for right now, at least it's, it's proving to be something that, that works and the quantity that we see, we're seeing a lot of uh, really across the whole sector costs are rising on nearly everything. So yeah, we're having to charge a little bit more to make the same margin. So, you know, we might, we might see that, contract a little bit and see if some amount fewer breweries but i'd say right now it seems pretty steady sean i'm just wondering and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier um just about skills developed at, at wittenberg that kind of played into uh to, to, to your career success but i'm just wondering specifically as it relates to starting and running cerebral um you know how is the formation that you received at Wittenberg played into making you a better business owner or leader uh, today, just, uh, you know, as you think back on all the uh, ups and downs, challenges and successes that I'm sure every business faces as they're, as they're on that journey. Um, how do you think that your, you know, the formation that you received on campus really kind of played into that? Yeah, I think it just goes back to the the skill development and, and things mm -hmm. that, kind of learn during that time i'd i'd say if I, you know if i wasn't exposed to as much of that um you know i was i swam for wittenberg for four years and i think that was mm. really helpful being um you know you're on a you're on a team you're communicating yeah. with the team um if you aren't doing something at the right pace you're holding other people up and uh it's the same thing with time management you know i you know, you've got to get up at five to make it to morning practice. And, you know, you have to plan out your day before to make sure that that's going to be enough sleep for you to function properly and, and uh, get everything done the next day. So I, I think that was the biggest part um, is really just like really learning how to take care of yourself, 
how to how yeah. to treat manage your time and how to communicate and, and build relationships with other people. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Sean, I, you know, I think we have time just for maybe one last question. And I always end with just asking whether there's anything that you would, any other advice that you would like to share with our students who might be listening into the podcast today. And specifically, is there any advice that you might be willing to share with students who are either interested in entrepreneurship and starting a business, or maybe they're thinking about, you know, I'm not quite sure that the career path I'm choosing today uh, when I'm graduating from Wittenberg is going to be what I really want to do. But I got to, I got to pick something because I have a lot of pressure from other influences ready to (laughs) tell me I got to go do something. And I'm just wondering what, what do you have any advice that you might share with those students um, in either of those, you know, kind of situations? Yeah, I guess I'll tackle the latter um, first because I identify with that a lot. I, I picked physical therapy as my degree, but I never had a strong conviction in, in college when I picked it. And uh, mm. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good use of, you know, I, I very, I very much value the profession. Uh, I have a lot of great friends now that are, that are PTs and they are awesome. And it just never felt like something like from my heart that I wanted to do. I just picked yeah. it thinking like, this seems like a sound next move and I'm expected to pick something. Um, and that, you know, I, I'd say I can't regret it because it led to me w- where I am now. But the amount of debt that I uh, accrued to do that, to get my doctorate mm. in physical therapy versus the income versus the enjoyment in the profession, you know, I think it may have been wiser um, just to take some more time. And, and I, you know, I think everyone mm. feels very much rushed to make that next decision. And there's a lot of pressure. You know, are you going to go to college? Okay, you're in college. What are you going to do next? And I don't see any downside to taking a year to figure that out. Like, you you know, Mm, financially, you might have to work something that maybe isn't your ideal job during that time, but you can, you can take the time you can look for. There's, there's more resources than I realized for uh, figuring out what you want to do. And, and I think just openly communicating that to others also helps because if you're only doing that next step, because you think you should, and you're not telling others and you're not having conversations with people about what you love, you're not talking about it and you're not going to realize its importance to you. Um, so, I mean, that was definitely a learning curve for me, but again, I can't regret anything because I'm, I, I landed right here and I'm perfectly happy with this. Um, mm. In terms of entrepreneurship, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before and how many resources are out there. And there's more, I think now than, you know, when I graduated from, from WIT in 2006. Yeah. Which feels like forever ago when I say that out loud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really just like having an idea of what you want to do is the first step, especially with entrepreneurship, and just trying to figure out like a loose business plan. Like, all right, I love this yeah. thing. You know, what are some ways I could make this even marginally profitable? Um, and then just building on that, like asking some people, like, hey, if I did this, would is this a service you would pay for? Um, asking others around you for for support, I think is not always something that people like to do, but it's, you know, yeah. people love helping their friends with something they're passionate about. So it's mm. just something to practice a little bit more. Perfect. 
Well, that's a great place to end. And Sean, I just want to just say thank you again for being willing to, to come on and, and share your words of advice to students and to just share your story and 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 how you uh, got to where you're at with Cerebral Brewing today. And we just appreciate you giving of your time to, to do this and to, to, to share that with, with all those who are listening. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. And to all of you students who are listening, uh, thank you for tuning in this season. We are so excited to uh, get to welcome you back on campus this fall. And to those of you who are recent alumni or graduates uh, who are listening in, congratulations. And also, please stay in touch with us in the Office of Career and Professional Development uh, as we uh, uh, are really interested in the next steps that you are taking as you are working uh, to figure out your own vocation and path and discern your own uh, direction after college. We want to support you along the way and, and are thankful for uh, for any uh, updates that you provide to us uh, in the office. So, And if you are a student looking for career and vocational discernment support, please reach out to our office. We are available over the summer uh, and are ready to help you uh, and visit with you and, and chat with you about your own plans and, and how you can make, take the next best steps uh, towards something fulfilling for after graduation. Thanks so much again for tuning in and uh, check back next time. Take care and tiger up, everyone. Wow.